Hey everyone, welcome to Group Text. My guest today is Dre DeMatteo. I mean, the list of credits is just stupid, you know? You want me to do it? You want, Melissa, you want me to do it? Yeah. Give me, <laughs> you want me to list my credits? Yeah. Well, The Sopranos. <laughs> Sons of Anarchy. Desperate Housewives. That's it. That's all we need. We're done. Oh, but there's so much more. There's, so, I mean, you left out Shades of Blue, A Million Little Things, Walker Payne, Broken English, New York, I Love You, Joey. Crazy I mean, right now. Yeah, you're going crazy. I am. It's just like, it's you're one of those actors that it's just ridiculous. Oh, thanks. I mean, I just want to start with, let's just call it what it is. You're a badass. You are Thank a full-on badass. And you play a lot of badass women. So is it life imitating art or art imitating life? Well, I think that, you know, what's funny is like on The Sopranos, I played a character who's a victim. I was, all, I always play the victim, actually. All those shows you mentioned, I'm kind of the victim in everything, except until this lockdown happened. And then all of a sudden I'm playing all these gangster bitches, which is new for me. And I'm excited about it. I'm going to fucking flash this right in front of everybody. Oh, yeah. But even your victims are pretty much badasses. I, yes, I mean, yeah, I, it's, Adriana was not that much of a badass. I think that I was on a badass show, but she was like the sacrificial lamb on that show. Um, she never really got on top of her power in any way, you know? She was cute though. <laughs> I, I loved her. Yeah. I loved her so much. <laughs> What is it like, though, to love a character that much and then they die? It was intense. It was intense. I mean, I I remember when I got the script and there was a, a scene before it where, where uh, was it, Michael Imperioli goes to Tony Soprano and says, she's a rat. What are we going to do? And he goes, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I went to everybody on the show and I said, can you guys help me get this scene taken out? Because everyone's going to know she's dying right at that moment, instead of that car ride being so, so like, you know, drama filled. So I loved her so much that I fought for that character in the end, that it would end in the way that I felt was appropriate. I loved her. But still, don't you want to run around and go, don't kill her. Don't kill me. It was time to go. I had to go do freaking Joey. Joey. (laughs) Talk about a bit of a mental, mental hopscotch. On that one. I know. What are you going to do? I had to do it. My father made me do it. He said, you know, you've already played an Italian character who talks like this. You're going to be stereotyped for the rest of your life. If you don't take these roles, you are going to find yourself with no work. I was petrified. So I said yes, even to David Chase. He said to me, if you take another job right now, I'm going to be very upset. I'm actually going to put you under contract so you can't. And I took the other job and the it leaked and I, he was furious with me. I, I had to like do all this damage control, but looking back, I should have not taken it maybe because I didn't want to, but I got stereotyped for sure. I knew I would, but now that I'm 50, all I want to do is talk like this every day of my life. But it, I love the fact that you listen to your dad. I know. I mean, well, he I may have been wrong, then. but I love my dad said, it's like, no matter how old we are, our parents' voice still matters. But I was a kid back then. Everyone thinks The Sopranos was yesterday. No, it wasn't. crazy. I know. It was 150 years ago. It was insane. You look amazing. Are you drinking, like, newborn's blood if it was 150 years ago? 
drinking vodka right now. <laughs> girl. See, I'm talking about lemon water. Lots of lemon water. That's the whole badass thing. Now, you were born and raised in New York. Yeah. You have a very New York sensibility, which is very a much. good thing. I was born in New York, but raised here, and I get it all the time. People are always shocked to find out that I've been in Los Angeles since I was three. What I found really interesting was you went to NYU to Tisch School, which is very fancy, artsy, the whole thing, but you wanted to be a director. I did. Well, I grew up in the theater with my mom. My right. mom was a playwright and she was like, she was Herbert Berghoff's protege. She, Uta Hagen starred in all her plays. Herbert directed them. So I grew up in the snooty theater world and I didn't want anything to do with it. I wanted to go back to Queens truthfully and like steal cars. <laughs> like, I wanted to live the life of, you know, the rest of the kids from Queens. I was this weirdo. Everyone's like, your mother must be a lesbian because she, because of the way she dressed and went to Greenwich Village every night. They're like, your mother's a dyke. <laughs> they were me in my neighborhood and I would be like, Jesus, you Italians are crazy. Um, but yeah, I was, I hated sitting in the theater every day of my life. I felt like, what are these adults doing playing house all day? Like, I want to be a kid. I want to be playing house. So I hated it. And I went to NYU film school. I also was too scared to act. Too, it felt very scary to me. So I would take acting classes for directors. And I felt like at least there I could hide behind the premise that I would never be as indulgent a person to act. I felt, that, I felt like acting might have been the most indulgent thing ever. You know, I was very self-conscious. So, yeah, I went to become a director. And now that I'm older and now that I can't really act as much anymore, I definitely feel like that's where I need to put my focus once again. I just hope I can get there. Who said to you, you know, you should act? I mean, I had all these... When I was in film school, all the kids in the class and the teachers were like, what are you doing? Why are you going to direct? You should be doing this. And then I would secretly be like, I love that they just said that. (laughs) Um, But I had a manager who told me I needed to act, who I had, I wasn't an actor yet. I hadn't really been taking acting classes, but someone stuck me with her. But then later on, she ended up telling me, I went and got my shit together and I came back to her and she said, you need voice classes. You need like heavy duty voice classes. And I said, okay, I'll go take voice classes. So I went and I signed up for a bunch of voice classes and she goes, no, your voice is repulsive. You need to take opera classes. And I was like, wait, 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 your voice is repulsive. You'll never work in this town. I had a very gravelly voice. I was a heavy smoker. I used to party a lot. You know, I was a wild young kid. And um, yeah, opera classes. And when she said that, I was like, I don't even know if, I was like, goodbye. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go ahead and just stick with the agent. I don't need the manager right now. Just, okay, let's see if this thing works. And um, I got the Sopranos right after that. So to hear opera classes and then to go score a job called the Sopranos. <laughs> There, there is some amazing irony in that. I know. I, I always love that. That's my story. It's very silly to me, but, but it's true. I was like, who's singing now, bitch? Because <laughs> <laughs> I did okay with that voice of mine. Recognize me now? Yeah, um, and, then, and now I'm talking like this, no less. It's not even like in my regular voice. I have, I have a whole different voice. <laughs> so yeah. what was your first paid job? Acting. 
I would say Sopranos, but there was a job before that. It was a one-off. It was a show with, with Justin Chambers and Gary Dordan and, um, and a bunch of people that were on the Sopranos, actually, the FBI agent who puts me away, Frankie Pellegrino, Tony Darrow, all of these guys. Um, Patrick McCaffrey was the star. What the hell was the name of it? Swift Justice. It was like some cop show. And I had, I was, I was in one episode. Lori Tuco was my name. I had to cry and I sent the PA to go get me onions to smear on my eyes because I wasn't an actor. I didn't know what the, I didn't know what to do. I learned how to act watching my mother teach writers how to write their plays. That's amazing. Yeah, she was an amazing teacher, really amazing teacher. So listening to her break down a script for a writer was the exact way an actor should be breaking down a script for themselves. Um, so I always found that really interesting. But I did end up taking some acting classes. I did. Well, <laughs> whatever it is, it's worked. Um, you talk about The Sopranos and you did a one-off. From what I've read, you did a one-off actually on The Sopranos. I did. It was a, if, I, if they were trying to hire somebody as a series regular, I never would have gotten the part. That would have been like Debbie Mazar, Mira Sorvino, Marissa Tomei, all the girls that were really known for being able to do that really great accent. Um, I never would have gotten the part. <laughs> so, so it was a long time. What happened? In the pilot, um, I thought I was going in for a, a show about opera singers. Well, hence The Sopranos. Yeah, no one knew what the script was about. So I went there with my hair pulled back in a ponytail, no makeup. They always said, clean canvas, clean canvas when you're auditioning. I said, okay, okay. I was in my 20s. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So I um, I went there and they were like, she's going to play Christopher's girlfriend. Like, I don't think so. Um, so he had me read for the Russians. He had me read for every part um, David Chase did. And they said goodbye. And then they called and said, hey, would she be okay playing the Connecticut hostess in the restaurant? She seems like a real snooty Connecticut uptight type. <laughs> we like her because she's Italian. And I was like, okay. I, I was, I, you know, it was with Lorraine Bracco. I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to do it with Karen, Goodfellas. You yeah. Know? I was, and I, when I went and did it, I couldn't get my line out. One line, sorry, Mr. Table's not ready or whatever it was. I couldn't say it because I was next to Karen from Goodfellas. Right. I was dying. So I, I would never think they'd call me in to come back if the show got picked up. And I remember reading the script and getting it to my mother. And I was like, you got to read this. This is different. This is never going to get made because it's so good. It's right up your alley, mom. She read it because it is like her writing. Mm -hmm. And we come from that world, a little bit of mafia in, 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 in the background. So um, she was like, wow, this is, this is beautiful. The pilot with the ducks and all of that sort of stuff. And um, then, when I, then they called me in for the uh, series. And I was in Queens at my parents' house, my grandma's house. And they said, you have to come in. Will you come in to do, do this thing? And I said, I'm in Queens. I can't come in to audition last minute. And they were like, we're in Queens. And I looked at my mom and my dad and they're like, you're going, we're taking you. I was like, oh, grandma's making chicken cutlets. My grandmother goes, hey, I'm making a chicken cutlet sandwich. You take it with you on the road. My mother goes, I'm getting your name played out in diamonds with the rope chain from when I was 14. So I did my confirmation just to get my rope chain with my name in diamonds. Yeah, exactly. She's like, you're going to do this. You're teasing your hair. Go tease your hair. Go put that makeup on. And you're going to talk like Solana, the neighbor. And she coached me the whole way there. And I had one line again. It was still a one-off just for the series now. 
And I got that. And then it's just, man, I got lucky. I remember David Chase came over to me at the craft service table and he's like, you know, people think you and Michael are really a couple. I was like, Michael, Christopher, Michael. And she's like, cause my boyfriend's name was Michael. <laughs> and I was like, really? And he said, yeah. He goes, I think we're going to write some more for you. Would you like that? And I was like, yes. And I go to my pay phone. I call my mom. I'm like, ma, a pay phone, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mom. I know you think it's funny. I'm like, I'm calling my mom, I'm calling my dad. Everybody's making decisions for me. <laughs> Trust me, I, I I understand that. I can relate to parents making decisions and not really that interested in your point of view about it at certain times. And I, yes. I, I can, but do you ever look at that and go, I mean, we always talk about right place at the right time, but how serendipitous the whole launch of your career was? Yes, I do. I, I, I still, to this day, even at 50 years old, I, you know, people still think that the show aired yesterday because all these kids are watching it now. So my, the fan base is young and I'm always surprised. And I don't know, like for a while I was like, what's going on? And now I, I just, I've always felt so grateful for all of it. I've always felt extremely grateful for the way everything played out. Um, and I can't believe that I got to play in this playground as long as I have. Like, I always felt like it was a joke because I'm just, I'm really shy too, on top of everything. It took until 30 from, and to be on The Sopranos and to have done that and had that under my belt to have confidence in just being myself in the world, period. Which is, I come, as much as I love my parents, holy shit, they did a number on me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Again, we all, I always say, you know, everyone's got baggage, but let's just try and keep it to a carry-on. Oh, my God. I wish. <laughs> uh, so, Emmy fever. We're all in it, have it, had it. You've won an Emmy. What was it like when they called your name? Oh, you know, normally this should be the most exciting moment in anyone's life. I mean, we've all imagined winning something at one time or another if we decided to become an actor or a musician or whatever. I did not want to be there. I got to be totally honest with you. By the, by the time I hit 30, I did have my confidence. It was probably after the fact of the Emmy too. I didn't have the confidence to get up there and talk. I would never think that I deserve anything. That, that comes from my childhood too in some fucked up way. But, um, but yeah, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to get dressed. I didn't want to walk down the red carpet. I didn't, I never wanted to be there on Sunday nights for any of the awards. Um, so when that happened, it was like, I, I didn't have a speech prepared. I, I, I was embarrassing. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassing. Um, but man, afterwards, I was like, did I just do that? Did that just really happen? And then I got greedy. Then I was like, well, why didn't I win the Golden Globe? Why didn't I win the Screen Actors Guild <laughs> Well, am I not good enough for you people? Oh, yeah, yeah. Then I was like, hmm, well. Um, but I was nervous about the Emmy. I'll be totally honest with you. I was nervous that if I won an award for speaking in the accent, for playing that kind of character, that I was never going to come back from it. Um, because a lot of character, a lot of actors do, you know, you, Marissa Tomei, Mira Servino, like it was hard. I would imagine right after that for anybody to come to them with different kinds of roles than, than, than the ones that they had just won for. Um, so I definitely was worried about it. But, you know, looking back on that, now that I'm an old lady, I'm just like, you know, how like, 
that was cool that I won that award, even though it's still on the floor somewhere. In this, in this <laughs> do you, because rem- people talk about all the time that they do not remember from hearing their name on until they're well into the press room, that it's all a total oh, yeah. blur. I watched the video. <laughs> And were you happy with the video or not so much? No, I like to, I've shown it to my kids before. I know my daughter's watched it and come to me. Just like, she'll be like. (laughs) 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 Really mom? Yeah, classic mom. That's your mom. She's crazy, crazy lady right there. So, So do you remember what you wore? Yes, I do. My friend, Samantha Ronson picked out my clothes. I had a stylist here trying on tons of sexy dresses and she picked this vintage dress and she said, you look like a queen in this and I think you should wear this. And I said, okay. And it was very simple, it was very plain. However, I accidentally put the the slip on inside out and the dress was see-through. So the whole dress looked terrible (laughs) on camera because it was a, I don't know, maybe even your mom caught me. Maybe. (laughs) That would have been awesome. Um, I would have never been close to where anybody was to talk to anybody. I would have been as far away from any press as possible as usual. Um, But yeah, my dress looked like shit because it was, I had the thing on backwards inside. Again, classic me. When did you realize it was backwards? In the pictures. Oh, you didn't even like go into the, I've gone into the bathroom sometimes and been like, shit, this is on backwards. And you, I, the other day I went out and I was out with a friend of mine and we we're walking around and this woman pa- taps me on the shoulder as I'm crossing a street and she goes, your shirt's on inside out. <laughs> I'm like, excuse it's my me. kids every day. She's like, I'm like, excuse me. She goes, yeah, the label's on the outside. I'm like, oh dear God. I turned to my friend, I'm like, you didn't tell me? He's like, I didn't notice. I'm like, great. I have spent a whole day running around, running errands with my shirt on inside out. My kids do it all the time. I mean, you're, you know, you're a kid. Yeah. You take pride in being a kid too. Exactly. Um, (laughs) I've read that you don't like getting dressed up. No. Neither do I. What is your daily, what would you call your uniform? Like my uniform right now. What? I don't even have pants on right now. Well, it's like my uniform is a white t-shirt and a pair of jeans and a pair of sneakers. Or if I'm going, if it's dressy, a pair of loafers. Well, since I don't leave the house much anymore, I really just wear my leopard pajamas all over the place. (laughs) Sometimes I even go to Pilates like that. I'm like, nah, fuck it. I'm just going to be there for 10 minutes. Then I'm going to get some coffee and outfits. I'm just going to come home after that. Stay in my, my leopard pants. So you... Do Pilates for 10 minutes or maybe 30? I do it for, I do it for an hour. I'm sorry. <laughs> Feels like a, a lifetime, actually. So I was looking at your Instagram and we brought it up in the beginning. I got to ask what the hell is Gangster Goddess and how do I become a member? Do you let in dorky oh, people or people yeah. that wear glasses, you know, or not red lipstick? Gangster Goddess was, um, was our podcast that we did in the, um, in, we had a podcast called Made Women they decided that they didn't want to pay us while the whole pandemic was going on. So we gave them the finger and started gangster goddess and continued on. Um, but then we came up against a lot of bullshit from a lot of men. Like what? (laughs) It's just a lot of silly, silly behavior from silly, insecure people. So 
I just was like, this isn't worth the trouble, man. And I am nervous. Like what you do for a living, I would be so scared all day that I'd be saying the wrong thing and offending people on a regular basis because I have no filter. I would say anything. And I kind of, that's why I love you and your mom forever too, because you guys can go down that road also. And I loved it. I was, I was always the biggest fan. I just have to say that. Thank you. Um, but uh, I just feel like, uh, yeah, the whole gangster goddess thing. Um, I, I, yeah, I had to get, I had to get rid of that. I had to stop, I had to stop doing that podcast thing. It wasn't for me. Um, but now, you know, because we were doing it, we started putting out wines and like, now we have like, this is, we have, we have a perfume, we have a gangster goddess perfume. If you want to smell like a gangster, you can smell like a gangster with us, Melissa. Come what on. What does down. a gangster smell like? Like this. Right here. <laughs> I haven't showered in a week and a half. <laughs> we got we got smellovision. vision. Um, um, it smells like musk. It's musky, you know, like hippie smells. Got Good it. Hippie smells. You hippie, know? hippie with a little bit of cigarette. Yes, even though I haven't smoked in a while, which but I, that would be like a gangster yet. smell to me. Yeah, very noir. Yeah, you know, very noir smell. <laughs> exactly. Uh, your new film, One Way. You brought up gangster. It is a. It's to me. It felt like a modern take on like a classic gangster movie but brought to these days what i've heard that a couple of times this week um i haven't seen it yet to be totally honest with you i haven't watched i want to watch it on the big screen so when they send you like a screener i'm always just like eh. um and i you know we did it a while ago so i don't remember everything but i what i do remember is that all these films that i just did including this one um, they all take place in one location. This is right after the lockdown. So everybody is just trying to make a film with these giant concepts. And they're trying to figure out how to fit this huge idea into one location for the least amount of money. And this one just jumped out at me. Um, A, the cast is insane. Um, it's it's uh, Kevin Bacon, Travis Fimmel, Colson. Machine Gun Kelly. Right, I, I was going to ask you about him. Storm Reed is Storm Reed. unbelievable. In Did it. you see it? Did you, have you seen the film? I have seen 90% of it until <laughs> I had, I was falling asleep, so I pushed pause on my screener, and then I woke up this morning and I was going to finish it, and it wouldn't let me back in. So I don't know how it uh, ends. I was oh, so not. This is the big moment. I, I was not happy because I was yeah, very invested <laughs> in it. <laughs> so I can't wait to see it but yeah it's a full-on th- thriller and, and a lot of people are saying it feels like an old film which is crazy to me because it's so um it's so right now like it's, you know with the styles and the kids and the tattoos and the this and the that you know it's so of today um but it, it's definitely it's it's definitely keeps you on the edge of your seat I guess I don't know that I don't know though because I haven't seen it yet. oh it, it it does it does and it's I mean we can get deep into the technique and the lighting and the use of these different cameras I mean there's a whole technical aspect of the movie that's that's fascinating to watch but he's an amazing director Andrew Barrett is amazing and he was he, I mean everybody. Every, and everyone he chose to be, I couldn't believe that he picked me to be there. I well, was why? And you're amazing in it. I haven't been acting that much lately. So I sort of was like, oh, this is cool. And especially when we were all in that lockdown, I just felt like, 
I felt like everything was over, man. <laughs> I didn't think anything would ever happen again. <laughs> so, and, and those, all these little projects I did right out of that, this was one of them. Um, so it was cool. And it was cool to be the main antagonist. I've never, I'd never done that before. Oh, um, you own it. I do. Okay, good. You own it. By the way, <laughs> and then the Chalamet, and you look amazing. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Thanks. That's you're like, important. You're like, you're like, you're like, Holy shit. That was the first thing that went through my head. Holy shit, she looks good. Well, I said to Andrew, you better be filtering this thing because you can't have me looking like some busted old bit, busted up old bitch. And these days they can filter stuff. So I hope you did. Hope you and your did. hair was really good, even when you were being like vicious. Oh, awesome. That's important. <laughs> Real <laughs> important. <laughs> so when you found out your work, first of all, did you know who Machine Gun Kelly was? My son did. Okay. My, my kids knew. Um, but for me, and I'll be totally honest, I was watching um, Raised by Wolves on HBO when we were in the lockdown. And um, when they sent me the script, I just, I didn't look at the script. I just saw who was in it. And I said, I'll take it. And they, and he goes, you're going to read it. And I said, no, it's Travis, Travis Fimmel. He's the guy in Raised by Wolves. I said, I'll travel anywhere in the world to put a gun to his head. <laughs> <laughs> for no so just sign me up i am going let's right. go he's like you have to read the script i was like i don't have to fucking read anything i'm going i'm gonna put a gun to his head let's It'll go be fun that'll be a good day of work yeah. and kevin bacon is fanat phenomenal as always i had to have my six degrees it was a rite of passage exactly no so your your son knew who colson was most people mm -hmm. do not know that machine gun kelly's real name is is colson and, you know, people walk onto sets and you think, oh, dear God, you know, I don't want to call him a pop star. I don't want to call him a rock star, but he is very much an impactful musician in this exact moment in time. He's yes. very, but you got to walk on with all these pros and think, okay, this, this, this kid's going to have to prove it to us. Yeah. Did, you have, did you have trepidation about that? Because you guys interact, not necessarily face-to-face, -face, a lot. I didn't. I had, first of all, I heard he was amazing in the film that he had done before. Um, I'm always open to everything. Like, I don't even, I'm not, I never sit in a place of judgment. Because when I walked onto the set of The Sopranos, I knew nothing. You know, like Michael Imperioli, I always joke around. Like, he taught me how to act. I always would say that. Um, so I... I never, I, if anything, I'm there to disarm anybody because I've been doing this for so long. So if he would need me to be, but he'd already been in that role for days before I got there. And I was afraid when I saw him, you know, I didn't want to rehearse it. They wanted to rehearse. And I was like, Andrew, can we please not rehearse? Can I show up into that bus at that? And that's the part that you missed at the very end. Um, and, and I want to see him for the first time, but you know, you can't do that for 50 takes because you still have to do 50 takes or right. something. Um, but every time I saw him in that part, my heart broke. Um, you know, I, I knew what my backstory was with him, which was pretty twisted and messed up. And I don't want to give too much away. You can't, don't it. give it away. But I mean, you know, I was his boss and some other things. And I was also dating his father. Like I'm all, I am, I got my, 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 my dirty little fingers and everything. Yes. You're um, a very twisted mother figure. 
Yes, for sure. <laughs> I love telling my son what my my eleven year old son what my relationship is to him in the movie, and he's always like, "Cheats, mom." I'm so, like, "That's yep, your mom." <laughs> my son gets it for two generations. So, yeah. tell if your son talks back and goes, "Mom, it's going to I know someone whose kid has grandma and mom. So back off. Do your kids ever, only because I remember I would be horrified when my mom would show up at school looking like my mom. And I know Cooper would be horrified. I mean, because it's part of being someone's kid and teenager. You're always kind of cringy, you know, with your parents. I'm a single mom. So they love me so much. You too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they love me so much. Like they have so much respect for my journey and my battles and my everything at this point that I'm, I'm really lucky. And they're also, I said to blackjack yesterday because we were at the dentist and the, the lady behind the counter was like, you know, you look just like, you know, Adriana from the Sopranos. And that happens a lot. Like a lot of times it won't be, is it you? Or it'll be like, you know, you, cause no one thinks it's really me probably because I still look the same. By the way, <laughs> me too. They always think it's someone I went to, I went to high school with them. I know I know you, but yeah. I don't know from where. Totally. And I'm always like, oh, it is. Blackjack looks at me and he goes, what kind of day are we having? Are you going to tell her the truth? Or are you just going to let it go? And I'm like, what do you want me to do? He goes, I'm just going to talk for you from now on. So they <laughs> love it. And I said to him as we walked out, I go, how do you feel about this? Does this bother you? Is this an issue? And I've asked my daughter, I guess your daughter would have different feelings than a son. They love it. They love it. There's also something new that I didn't know about till a friend of mine's daughter showed me. There's some new thing. I can't keep track. So you've been engaged since 2015? I've been engaged many times. Right, but the most recent. The most recent to uh, Michael Devon from Whitesnake. That was over about, oh my God, years ago three years ago four years ago that's not that long yeah yeah i've been with another guy since then are you engaged to him yeah i'm engaged to him too <laughs> are you <laughs> see my collection of engagement rings my, amazing do you keep parallels do you keep them i got them all oh my mother would love you somewhere above she is smiling because she always she had a joke where she used to say um if if you get divorced, or uh, if you want the if you want the ring back, pull out the stone and swallow it, because no yeah. man will look through shit for a diamond. <laughs> Let me just tell you though, these diamonds have all been in my family, just reconfigured. Oh, that's not right. They've all been in my family because you know we had some big diamonds in my family, and I was like, if I'm going to wear this ring, I'm going to wear this ring the way I want to wear this. <laughs> So none of those cheap fuckers bought you their own diamond? Not really. That's not okay. Although uh, Shooter, when I, when I was engaged to Shooter, it was a ring that Waylon gave Jesse. Okay. okay. So that was, that was cool. And I kept that for my, I kept them all for my daughter. Very nice. She realized she's going to have like a lot of earrings and pendants and, and rings. Um, <laughs> do you think you're actually ever going to make it down the aisle? So funny, you know, speaking of all these engagement rings, I mean, I would like to, I would like to at some point, I don't know. It's not, it's just like another, I think when you're an actor and you just, you you know, you sign all these contracts and you're always so worried that you didn't read the fine print. You sort of feel like that with a marriage. Like, 
you know, if, if I was married to my, to the father of my kids, that could have been so ugly. Um, if we had to go through a divorce and we were never married. So I really got to, you know, figure this thing out on my own with my kids. I, I didn't want to have a judge decide what was best for my children. That's for sure. So we, he still, we still could have done that. It still could have happened, but I, I hear all these horror stories of divorces and I just don't ever want to be in that. But, you know, <laughs> the reason why I have so many diamonds is I have a, a box full of diamond rings that were my great grandmother's. She was the only abortionist back in the fifties in Harlem. So people would pay with their with their engagement rings because the engagement would be over once she got pregnant. She was now done. She had to use her ring to, you know, for her baby, you know, to have her, to, you know. Right, whole, I get it. So I have all these diamonds, tons of, <laughs> tons of diamonds. <laughs> my 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 grandfather used to it was a was a GP, and he would always treat whomever, and he never. You know, if people couldn't pay, my mom used to, re my mom remembers people showing up with food all oh, really? the time at their house. And she's like, not food. She's like one step away from like someone showing up with a crate of live chickens. She's <laughs> like, it was insane. My grandmother got paid once because my, her daughter, my grandmother, it's my great grandmother who was the, the midwife, but my, her daughter, my, my, my grandma, she was they said she was a hair soup, like she was covered in hair. She was hairy, a hairy woman. So in order to pay this one woman back for one of her abortions, she moved into my grandmother's house and started doing electrolysis on my grandmother for a full year. Wow. So my grandmother had electrolysis from head to toe for a full year. I was like, that sucks. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. Oh, the fifties. Do you ever the good think, old days. Do you ever think about writing a book? Because you're so fascinating and your family is fascinating. And there's, I think there's just so much. And I know that's part of being an actress too, is everyone likes to keep everything private and draw from it. I mean, but I have you, a big mouth. But do you think you'd ever write a book? Um, My mom was a writer, not me, but she wrote something. She's written plays about her family forever. So I have a catalog of them and she's never published them. And I want to do that for her. But um, she did write a show about her family that we sold to HBO right after The Sopranos. And they bought it in the room like that, check in the, in the bank within hours. That's how badly they didn't want us to go anywhere else with the story. Um, and then they made Boardwalk Empire and gave us the show back because our show was a period piece, 1950s Harlem. But when you have Scorsese showing up to do Boardwalk Empire, you're going to choose that. So I got it and I was cool, but I never fully pursued it again. I, I dabbled with it, with uh, the few people that were interested in it were cool, like Christine Bashan and um, lots of, you know, cool, cool executives liked it. But then we never really went the distance but now that this whole thing just happened in society with all this craziness and hypocrisy and i sort of feel like we're we're living in the mccarthy um times all over again maybe just reversed in some ways but um i feel like it's a good time to revive it so i might i've been thinking about it especially now that i there's not so much acting to do these days so oh my god i would totally watch i scared to ask this as i always have what's next well, Melissa, because I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I've decided that I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Thank wait. you. I appreciate that. 
<laughs> well, it's about the whole, you know, society. I didn't get, I, I, I'm a crazy hippie. You see, I got hairy armpits. I'm sitting in my long hair. I haven't showered. I also did not get vaccinated, so I can't act anymore. So I've just been waiting to see if things change. Um, so that's why we have the perfume that we're promoting right now and wines and things like that. Um, because I can't, I'm not allowed to step into my playground anymore for a while. And it's kind of broken my heart. So. Even if you're PCR tested, because I know I am, I mean, when I'm working, literally we get tested twice a week. PCR. Yeah, I think that the studios, you know, with the indies, it was okay. But there aren't that many, they don't really, you know, there's not, that, there's not a real paycheck in that, you know. So with, I like being on TV. I like doing a series, you know, completely a full on series. So the studios just it's just closed down. Screen Actors Guild has closed it off. The studios have closed it off. So it is what it is for now. Ho I'm hoping it'll change, but things seem to be lightening up a little bit. But it definitely took me for a ride for the last two years. Okay, I've so been living in fear, you know? Oh my God. So you, but you were saying you're not going to lie. So that's, so what is, what is next besides the perfume, which I'm dying to smell? I want to smell like a uh, gangster. I want to be as cool as you. And I'm so not. We're going to we're going to send it to you. <laughs> I'm so not, like, how do I become as cool as you? Oh, my God. You know what? You guys are pretty cool where you come from, man. But you still, know? I'm I'm always just a quivering wreck. So, okay, so you, you want to revive, you wanna revive I, the show? All I do is quiver all day long. Oh. Um, but I do, I do want to revive the show. I think that would be a cool thing to do. You know, but nobody wanted to make it for years. People were afraid of it. They wanted it. They took it because they knew it was such a challenge and such a it's a flashy script. I mean, it's big. It's my family was the first people to bring heroin to the United States with the, with, uh, what's his name? Was es Escobar? Um, but my grandfather was, I'm not bragging about these. These are terrible things, obviously, but, but the world of my family was insane. And the way my mother wrote it was beautiful. And it's also funny, you know, it's like the Sopranos. It really was like a cross between The Sopranos and Six Feet Under because you have this revolving door of women coming through and they deal with so many issues. Like, you know, especially with this whole abortion thing, it goes, it runs the gamut. Like, there's no, like, we don't take a stance on where anybody should stand on that. We kind of understand everybody's perspective. You know, like when the mafioso brings his lady in and says, I want this baby taken out. And she says, this baby's eight months pregnant. You're, this baby's eight months you can't terminate this pregnancy. And he's like, he's like, you better, I'm going to put a gun to your head. Right. So, you know, there's all these sort of, you know, weighing of, of things. It's, it's intense. Well, I cannot tell you how excited I was to talk to you and you did not disappoint. You are fucking amazing and so cool like i'm like that's you i want to be that cool i want to be that 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 gangster see i've got my little collared shirt you know well i like your necklace thank you isn't that cool and i specifically wore i specifically wore this ring for you which i bought for myself years ago and you can't see but it says thug life on it just Amazing. to remind, just to remind me for for all the fancy that my family has become, I still grew up backstage in Vegas. You, listen, the two of you, you and your mom, and that's all I know. I don't know the rest of your family, but you two are the true embodiment of gangster goddesses well, to me. Thank you, Dre. This has been unbelievable. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for having me. A Huda Media Production.